You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Let's look here in Proverbs chapter 7, and let's begin just in the first couple verses here. Proverbs 7, uh, verse 1. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man, Void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. Now, uh, I was reading this uh, several days ago and thinking about, of course, we understand the story of the strange woman and the simple and and foolish young man. Uh, But what I was struck by reading this was uh, just the instructions of the father. Notice again, verse 1, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. And so we find here uh, some instruction from the father to the son and telling his son, son, you need to hear my words. And why do you need to hear my words? Because I want you to avoid the mistake. I want you to avoid the danger that we find here in chapter 7. And it does not end well. Look at verse 25. Uh, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her her paths. For she hath cast down... Many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. So we want to avoid uh, the end of this chapter. How do we avoid the end of the chapter? By taking heed to the beginning of the chapter. And so tonight I want to preach on this thought, preserved through the word. Notice in verse 1, my son, keep my words. Preserved. You can be preserved. You can avoid the destruction at the end of Proverbs chapter 7 by taking heed and keeping his words preserved through the word. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight. Holy Spirit, you got a message for us. I pray that you would uh, sink that into our hearts tonight. Have us to listen carefully. I pray, Lord, that you'd allow me to preach the word uh, as you gave it to me, Lord. I pray that we would listen carefully. And uh, Lord, you know the hearts of everyone here. Holy Spirit, convict as needed, comfort as needed, help as needed. I pray that tonight, uh, Lord, maybe there's someone here that's not saved, that tonight would be the night that they get saved. Lord, just give us a good time. Have us to know that we met with you tonight. Your name we pray. Amen. So, of course, we understand that Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And, uh, of course, it begins with the instruction of a father to his son. And so this fatherly advice uh, advice in Proverbs is found in the first seven chapters. So here in chapter 7, we're at the end of the introduction of a father giving instruction to his son. So uh, this is the conclusion in our text here to the father's advice. The father closes with this story of the simple young man going down to the horish woman and falling into sin in order to highlight the importance of his wisdom. He's saying, son, my wisdom is important because here's why. The simple young man in Proverbs 7 could have avoided destruction had he simply heeded his father's wisdom. Young people, it is vital to heed the counsel of authorities that God has placed in your life. God has authorities for a reason in your life. God has placed them for a reason. Your parents, 
your, your, your pastor and, and those that God has placed, youth leaders, those that God has placed in your life, God has them in your life for a purpose and it is important that you heed. I didn't say just hear, I said heed their advice. I think of a boss, um, I believe, Brother John, you worked at True Green under Tom, right? Yes, uh, man, he was a, a character, to say the least, uh, and uh, words cannot describe, uh, but I worked for a short time. Thank God I started working at the college, and I only worked about, I don't know, six months at the most. But he did have something he used to say, uh, and it's actually biblical. Very few things he said were biblical, uh, and uh, definitely cannot repeat uh, about 90% of what he said. But one thing he did say that I can repeat was he would say, you know, I hear you, but I don't hear you. You know, uh, we'd be, people would complain or whatever, but, you know, I don't have my sales. And I, I wasn't a great salesman myself, but, you know, I don't have my sales. And Tom would come up and basically say, you know, John, I hear you, but I need a high-pitched voice, you know. Uh, we call him the Greek fireball, all right, the short little Greek guy with the high-pitched voice. But, uh, you know, uh, I hear you, but I don't hear you. And what are you saying is, look, you're talking. There are, I hear some noise coming out of your mouth, but I'm not paying attention to what you're saying because you're not doing what you need to do. And, you know, that's how it can be, young people. Uh, think about, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher. I don't know if you've uh, seen Charlie Brown. I don't know. But, you know, the, the whole thing where, mwah, 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 that's how it can sound sometimes. You're not paying attention, okay? And it's important that you pay attention to what is being, counsel is for a reason, all right? Counsel is for a reason. And adults, the same thing. Just because, uh, you're, you know, uh, you're, 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 oh, I'm not a kid anymore, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm on my own. Well, God still has authority placed in your life for a reason. I want to remind you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, don't turn there, but God tells us what I would have you know, that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. There is an order that God has placed in our lives, and we must submit to that order. And by the way, that order includes your pastor. Just because that verse does not talk, oh, well, I'm, I'm a man, I'm under Christ. Well, as a born-again Christian, you also ought to be a member of a local church. And you ought to listen to what your pastor has to say. I can tell you my own family, uh, going back several generations, my family uh, got mad at the preacher, decided they didn't have to listen to his counsel, and the uh, destruction that, that was uh, wreaked in the life of, of my family going back because of getting out from under the counsel of your pastor. Stay in the counsel of your pastor. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So we have to understand that God has given us a, a pastor. God has given us authority. Young people, God has given you parents for a reason. Obey them to have the rule over you and submit them yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for it is unprofitable for you. And so uh, obey and, and get under the rule of your authority. So the counsel of God placed authority in your life is vital regardless of your age or position. Why is it vital? Look at verse 5. That they may keep you from the strange woman, from the stranger with flattereth with her words. Okay, so he's saying, the father's saying here that, uh, look, I am t everything I've told you in the past, one of the main reasons, son, is because that they, what is they talking about? They is talking about, verse 1, my son, keep my words, that they may keep thee. 
My words will keep thee from the destruction that we find. Look at verse 22. He goeth after her straight, straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dark strike through, dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. This is talking about uh, absolute destruction. This is not a happy ending. And we need to be preserved. Uh, we need to be careful uh, and, and heed the word of God. He, heeding the Father's advice is not a suggestion. It is absolutely vital to our preservation from the destruction of sin. Um, I believe it was last week or maybe the week before we were in Louisiana and uh, we had a fun time. We were staying uh, a friend of mine at a church there for a couple days and his son is a gun nut. And uh, we, of course, we all enjoy, enjoy the shooting sports also. And so he took us out. And I think uh, we shot uh, one day for several hours, another day for three, four hours. I mean, we probably, they probably shot for six to eight hours uh, between those two days. And it was a lot of fun. And one thing, um, you know, uh, from that is uh, that I really enjoyed doing is I got to, and we all got to shoot an M1 Garand. I don't know if any of you, uh, how many of you have been able to shoot an M1? It is a great, it is a great uh, piece of machinery, all right? I enjoy shooting it. And, of course, um, I appreciate the fact that that was the gun that, you know, was developed during World War II and really uh, was effective in the theater. Um, but one thing that I remember my dad always told me about uh, with the M1, and I got to experience it when I shot it, uh, was that, uh, you know, you would put these rounds for the M1, of course, it shoots 30 out of 6, and you put those in a clip, all right? Now, what happened was once these eight rounds are fired and the metal clip ejects, what happens? Well, the clip hits the ground and it gives off this ping, and it just and it is a loud ping, and the Germans figured this out. And so the Allies would be, would be fighting, and guess what happened? Man, they would get done with that clip, and that clip would eject, and they heard the ping, and now the Germans knew they could open up and they could unleash deadly fire on our troops. Well, uh, you know, we're not dumb, you know, us Americans. We're pretty smart. And we realized that, guess what? We can outsmart the Germans. And so pretty soon, the GIs had an extra clip in their pocket. And, uh, you know, they might fire off a few rounds, and then they would throw that clip or make it hit the ground. And the Germans thought, oh, they're out. And guess what? Germans pop up, and here we are, and we could... Uh, make some deadly, rain down deadly fire. And so the Americans passed this on to the new recruits that were training that would get into theater. And this was practical wisdom. This was important. Guess what? If you wanted to live through the war, it might help you to use their advice. And people that used their advice uh, uh, did very well on the battlefield because they learned from uh, advice that was given them. And I'm trying to say tonight that we need to avoid becoming a casualty. And these words that we have here in Proverbs chapter 7 will help us avoid becoming a casualty. So let's look at three keys to being preserved through the word. Three keys to being preserved through the word. First of all, the first key would be the presence of God's word. The presence of God's word. Let's look here in verse 1. My son, keep my word and lay up my commandments with thee. So this is talking about having God's commandments. Lay up my commandments with thee. This is the very presence of the word of God. Psalm chapter 119 verse 130 says this. The entrance of thy words giveth light. 
In verse 133, we read, Order my steps in thy word, and let not, have, let not sin have dominion over me. So first of all, the presence of God's word. What will the presence of God's word do for us? Well, first of all, it converts the soul. It converts the soul. Uh, in, in Psalm chapter 19, we read that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. We can look in Ephesians chapter 2, and we read that, that uh, it says of Christ in Ephesians chapter 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we find out that in the Old Testament, we, we read that the word has a quickening effect on the soul. We read in Ephesians that Christ has quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sins. So first of all, the word of God converts the soul. I'm thankful for the, uh, the night that, that God's word converted my soul. I'm glad for the night that I called on the Lord Jesus Christ as a six-year-old sinner bound for hell, and I asked the Lord to save me. Has the word of God quickened your life? I didn't ask if you're in church. I didn't ask if you're even faithful to church. I didn't ask those questions. I'm asking you tonight, has the word of God quickened your soul? The presence of God's word. And by the way, uh, it's not enough to have the word of God just sitting on your kitchen table. And it's not enough to have it, it with you in church. It has to actually enter the entrance of thy word uh, giveth light. And so God's word has to, first of all, enter and shine the light. Can you think to the day when the word of God shed its light? The, word of, uh, the Bible says that the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which has shed abroad in our hearts. Can you think of the, the day when the word of God shed the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, abroad in your heart and shed light on the fact that you're a sinner bound for hell? If the answer is no, then tonight needs to be your night. This is an opportunity for uh, the entrance of thy word. The word of God has entered into your heart. There's conviction, but what will you do about the conviction? So the word of God converts the soul, the presence of God's word. Then the presence of God's word also restrains the flesh restrains the flesh. In Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Thy word, and we, we could probably quote this, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, what? That I might not sin against thee. When you are tempted to sin, the Holy Spirit will bring a verse of Scripture to mind that will keep you out of sin. Let's go over, hold your place here in Proverbs chapter 7. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So uh, when you have a time of temptation, the word of God, uh, if it is present in your life, if you are hiding the word of God in your life, why should I read the word of God? Why should I memorize the word of God? Because in times of temptation, the word of God, its, it's, it's presence in my life can help me restrain my flesh. Look at verse 12 in Romans chapter 6. Verse, uh, verse 12 here, talking about uh, sin shall sin abound in verse 1, that grace may abound, God forbid. Look at verse, uh, verse 12 here. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the luster of. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What is one of the best ways to yield yourselves unto Christ and yield yourselves to God? It's by in the morning or whatever time it might be that you read your Bible, taking time and, and reading the word of God. That will restrain your flesh. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, every time there was a temptation, how did he respond? He said, it is written. The very Son of God did not dare to confront sin on his own, but instead said, it is written. He used the word of God to combat sin. And in our life, we must rely on the word of God to combat sin. When the word of God is not present in my life, my flesh will not be restrained and I am liable to sin. That's why I believe with Brother Vineyard, I used to say any person that, any Christian that doesn't read their Bible for 30 days is, uh, is capable of doing anything. And that, that makes sense. Why? Because your flesh is not restrained. What a tragic downward spiral our nation has taken ever since the Bible was removed from the public schools and, uh, was, and the Ten Commandments were removed from our courthouse. And, and we see the downward spiral of our nation, but why? It's because the presence of the Word of God or the lack of the presence of the Word of God. Do you see tonight the importance of the presence of God's Word in your life? I hope you do. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 7. So the presence of God's Word is so important. We need to have God's Word present with us. We're told in verse 1, keep my commandments and lay up my, uh, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. The Word of God renews our mind. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10, put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Daily we ought to renew our mind. So the presence of God's Word will preserve us from destruction. Then secondly, the priority of God's word will preserve us from destruction. Look at verse 2. Keep my commandments and live, now notice this, and my law as the apple of thine eye. What is that talking about? The apple of thine eye. Being in the very center of vision. Being something that you see in the very center. Uh, it talks in the word of God. Uh, God tells the children of Israel that they are the apple of his eye. So God is always focusing. God's center of his attention is on the children of Israel. And so we see here also that uh, phrase, the apple of thine eye is used. It's talking about us putting our attention on the word of God. Is God's word a priority in your eyes? Uh, David said this in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. Early will I seek thee. He also said in Psalm 55, verse 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Are you putting a priority on the word of God? I don't know when you read your Bible. I know everybody's different. I have to read it in the morning. That's when I read it. Maybe you don't. Uh, it, that's fine, but make it a priority. Find a time and stick with it and make this a priority in your life. God is honored when you make his word a priority. I'm glad that my dad made the word of God a priority in my family. And I remember growing up for, for many years, uh, every single night we had family devotions. And, um, and if my dad wasn't there, sometimes he had to work late. My mom would do it, but we'd always have family devotions. And I'm thankful for that. You say, well, that's not, how important can that be? How important can family devotions be? Well, I remember as a six-year-old boy 
my dad in family devotions talking about knowing for sure that you're on your way to heaven. I remember I had heard it as a four and five year old boy, and I actually, uh, Brother John's mom uh, was a teacher in my foreign, very instrumental, honestly, in me being saved, and a couple other ladies also. And uh, I remember being under conviction in Mrs. Che's four and five year old class, and then finally, as a six year old boy, uh, that night, I remember my dad talking about salvation. I remember finally getting it settled, knowing for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm glad that my dad prioritized family devotions. And you say, well, um, I don't know, you know, do we really have to do it every night? Well, I'll tell you what, God will bless you for it. We need more families, more uh, fathers, more mothers that will prioritize the word of God. Psalm chapter 138, verse 2 says this, Thou hast magnified, now listen, thy word above all thy name. I would, I would say tonight that God puts an importance on his name. Wouldn't you agree? I would say that the, the names of God are important. We ought to exalt the name of God above everything else, that he might have preeminence. But even more so, he says, I've exalted my word above all my name. This is, this is why, because in the beginning, was the word. You see, we have the very, uh, the word of God. If this word could breathe and walk today, that would be Jesus Christ. We have the very word of God, and yet we just, we set it aside. Well, I guess, you know what? I've got better things to do this morning. I'm going to read, I'll read it later. Or, um, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need the word of God. No, it needs to be a priority. God has exalted his word above his name. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Are you thirsting for the word of God? Do you have a thirst? Do you have a hunger for the word of God? If you don't, I, I, would, I would look inside and yourself and, and see and ask the Lord to reveal what is wrong in my life. There ought to be a thirst for the word of God. So the, uh, the presence of God's word will preserve me from destruction. The priority of God's word will preserve me from destruction. Then look at verse 3. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. The practice of God's word will preserve me from destruction. We ought to make it a, it can't just be, all right, I've, I, I have my Bible with me in church. I've read it today. That's great. But what does it say there in verse 3? Bind them upon thy what? Bind thy fingers. You use your fingers. I, I use my fingers a lot. I play the piano. I use them a lot. But we all use our fingers. Maybe some of you men work with your hands. Some don't, but some do. But that is intended, bind them upon the fingers. That is something that we will go to all the time. We use our hands. We use our fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. That means it's not just in my head. It's not just something that I know. And it's not just something that I say. It is something that I believe and I will practice. Notice verse 4. And say unto wisdom... Thou art my sister. With your mouth, it is part, becomes part of your testimony. The, the law of God here is talking about uh, 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 keeping his law. And you notice in, in this passage where he, talk, he uses that phrase, talking about his commandments, his law. What good is a law if it is never enforced? Um, the speed limit. Uh, I appreciate when the speed limit is not enforced, personally. Um, you know, I was telling the guys, the only ticket... <laughs> yeah. Right? You should talk. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, I was telling the guys that the only speeding tickets I've ever got are on tour in the college van. 
So I try to be careful. I've gotten several. Um, apparently, the state of Arkansas doesn't like how I drive. I found that out. Um, and uh, let's see. Well, that was, that was really the one. And so, but yeah, so I'm really careful, especially in Arkansas. Um, but I don't want to get a ticket, all right? Uh, but a speed limit is just a sign, right? It's just a sign until you get a ticket. All right, I think it's just a sign, but you know, I, I, if I get a ticket, you know, I better be, better be good here. All right, so a speed limit is nothing more than a sign, a piece of metal, until it is enforced. Um, you know, even think about what's going on uh, this week, law enforcement giving rioters space to destroy. You know, how, how stupid is that? You know, um, this is only allowing lawlessness, and the laws that you have on the books are just black and white, it's just uh, black ink on white paper. That's all that is. There is no backing behind the law. Why have law enforcement present if they can't or won't enforce the laws? But it's the same thing with God's word. It, the Bible says this is our law. And what good does it have to have a law? We say, well, I believe in the, you know, I believe in the rule of law. Okay, but you know, if I, if I believe in the rule of law, then I'll f o um, obey the speed limit. So, you know, that's convicting. But uh, anyway, I hit the altar at the end of the service. But um, anyway, but in our life, what good is the word of God, the rule of law in our life that governs our Christian life if it's not going to be practiced, if it's not going to be enforced? Practice God's word. When was the last time that God spoke to you while you were reading your Bible? I, now, I hope God is speaking to you during preaching. I hope God is speaking to you during those during times, song service. But when was the last time God spoke to you just when you were personally reading your Bible, and then what did you do about it? I'm not just talking about God spoke to you, but uh, uh, furthermore, uh, what about after you read the Word of God, when you have your time of prayer saying, Lord, that's something I, I need to work on. Would you please help me today? I remember I used to go uh, every Sunday morning to preach in the King County Jail there back home. And I, I went with a man in the church for a while. And uh, it was always convicting because pretty much every Sunday he would talk about how, you know, reading the proverb a day and what he got out of it and how it helped him that week. And, man, I, and I was just thinking about that, how this man, uh, you know, is not just reading his Bible, but he's putting this into practice. And that's what we need to do is to put God's word in practice. What do you do about what you read when God speaks to your heart? Practice God's word. Don't only practice God's word, but engraft God's word. Engraft God's word. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it talks about the engrafted Word of God, and, and I'm not going to go into detail about engrafting. My dad is uh, really into, you know, growing. He can grow just about anything, and uh, especially he loves his fruit trees, and he knows all about grafting uh, in the fruit, uh, fruit trees. But uh, the engrafted Word of God, where it becomes part of you, and it, and it gets in your heart. Again, Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 3 talks about writing God's commandments. He says in verse 2, my law. He says, bind them upon the fingers upon thy fingers, and write them upon the table of thine heart when it becomes part of you. So practice God's word and graph God's word, and then be accountable to God's word. Notice in verse 4, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and thy kinswoman. There's some accountability to the truth. We don't want to be held accountable anymore to the truth, do we? We want to, we want to hear it. We want to, uh, in, in I think it's Jeremiah, uh, where he talks about my people come and, 
you know, and they smile. I, I'm paraphrased, but you know, they smile as I preach and they have a, a good countenance and, and everything I preach, they agree with, they, they amen it, but they go home and they don't live one bit of it. Is that us tonight? Man, I hear God's word. You know, uh, are, are you like my boss used to say, I hear you, but I'm not hearing you? Are you saying that to God? Lord, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not actually putting that into practice. I'm not heeding. God's word must be present in our life. God's word must be a priority in our life, and God's word must be practiced. Where are we putting, what priority are we placing in God's word? Is God's word having an effect in our life? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. The word of God. We can be preserved through the word of God. We can be preserved from the destruction in Proverbs chapter 7 from the word of God. But are we actually uh, observing it? Are we actually practicing it? Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.